eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rodgers, in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, and this will be the very last episode where we'll be able to say that we have not met in person. Next week, when we record Pax What She Said, we will have officially met, and Perry will have experienced all that Wisconsin has to offer. So, Perry, this is crazy. If I'm still alive after I come on to this conference. <laughs> Your liver doesn't fail. Exactly. <laughs> I'm understanding what I meant by that. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I fly out. We're recording right now on Wednesday. I fly out tomorrow. And uh, we're going to have ourselves a fun weekend. Yeah, friend of the show. Friend Rachel Hotmeyer will be there. She will. Um, we're not doing anything Packers related, so sorry about that for podcast listeners, but this is a personal trip. Yeah. Maybe we'll Twitch, uh, stream while we grill or some shit, but we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out later. So today we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball. Uh, last week we broke down the offensive side of the 90 man roster. And today we thought we'd just go through and kind of talk about some changes, some improvements, any players that were lost in free agency and kind of what each position group looks like holistically. So Perry, why don't we start with your favorite? Let's just go alphabetically. The certified cornerback Stan. Oh, take it away. oh okay. Um, Is that okay? I thought you'd want yeah, to just, you know. I, I was, I was going to start somewhere else, but we can start with corners. That's great. <laughs> um, so yeah. So it's, pretty much the same room as last season with a couple of additions. Um, obviously the Packers have their lockdown number one corner and Jair back. They brought Chan Sullivan back. They brought Kevin King back on a kind of prove it one year deal. They still have Josh Jackson and Kadar Holman, Stanford Samuels, KB and Ento, who's now back off of injury. Um, and as their kind of depth pieces, course drafted Eric Stokes in round one and Shamar Jean Charles on day three of this year's, Draft, So it's a really nice room. Um, I think I feel a little bit stronger about the depth at corner now that the Packers pick Stokes. I know he's only one 
one player, but it's just something about having him in addition to Jair and Kevin um, in case anybody, knock on wood, gets hurt. Um, you just feel like you can have a, a starter even though he's a rookie. So um, the room is strong. The Packers have a really strong secondary. Jerry Gray said today actually in a press conference that his goal of the season is to make sure that the Packers – defensive passing game is number one in the league and he has all the tools to be able to make that happen yeah I mean I think what I'm most excited about whether it's going into training camp or the preseason is kind of if we'll get any glimpses of how the Packers plan to use their new additions right like we don't know yet if Eric Stokes will be on the boundary if Kevin King will take that spot who's going to play potentially that star role I know for some of practice yesterday Adrian Amos had dropped into the box to play kind of that hybrid linebacker opposite. I think it was Ty Summers at the time or uh, maybe Chris Barnes. So there's a lot of options for the Packers and, you know, Shamar John Charles absolutely will probably play in some capacity. I think the Packers really liked what they saw in him. Yeah. Yeah. Even on special teams for sure. So I, I just, I'm really curious to see it's, it feels nice to have, not that we can say we have talented depth yet. We haven't really seen much of the depth, but it feels like a really talented group and maybe it's deeper than we've seen previously for sure and I think there's potentially a possibility that the Packers utilize Stokes in the slot role and just maybe have a little bit of competition with Tandon Sullivan and then it's not that uncommon to kick a rookie out later in the season or even year two to the boundary um, especially since they did bring back Kevin King so you would think that Kevin King is going to be the starter unless for some reason Eric Stokes outplays him which personally can see happening but we're a long way from that yeah so let's let's keep it in the secondary and kind of shift over to the safeties I know you and I kind of going into the draft thought that maybe a safety would be a day three selection and the Packers ended up of course not doing that took a second corner instead so how are you feeling about the pieces that are in the room right now obviously there's Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage those two are mainstays not going anywhere Vernon Scott from last season uh, Will Redmond came back after being a free agent. Uh, Raven Green is really kind of the only departure from that room. Yeah, the Packers also grabbed Christian Uphoff, which I know was like a really popular undrafted guy. Um, and supposedly anyone who's watched him says that he absolutely could, um, you know, make a push for a roster spot this summer. So kind of keeping an eye on that as well. But I, again, I think going into this, offseason felt like this position group was pretty solid and there weren't a lot of tweaks or changes the Packers needed to make. Um, so I'm just really looking forward to seeing, just like you mentioned, you know, how does Jerry, or sorry, not Jerry Gray, I guess Jerry Gray and Joe Barry, how do they utilize these um, these players, especially Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, who just have such versatile skill sets and can do so much in the secondary? Um, is Vernon Scott going to get more playing time? Because we saw him kind of in those you know, fourth quarter when the Packers were up by like 40 points kinds of things. <laughs> but is he going to, you know, take a jump towards more meaningful snaps now that Raven Green is back, isn't back. Um, but it's just a really, really solid group with a lot of talent. Yeah. Christian Uphoff seems really fun. I was shocked when I found out he was six, three. I mean, he's a massive dude to play safety. So I don't know if he kind of fits maybe that Raven Green mold where we could see him dropping inside as a hybrid linebacker. I personally, and I know you agree here, 
want to just see Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage do what they do best. You know, I want them, whether, I mean, yes, free safety, strong safety. I know they're kind of interchangeable in those spots, but I don't necessarily need to see Darnell Savage kind of play the star role. I just want to let them keep doing what they were doing because we know towards the latter half of last season, they were the best safety tandem in football. So let's just keep letting them do what they do and figure out the star position elsewhere. Yeah, it sounds like there's a couple of guys that they have their eye on to play the star position, and I like the idea of rotating that out and like limiting how predictable the Packers' defense um, could be to an opposing offense. But I agree with you. I mean, Darnell, really, you could see like the light switch come on in the second half of the 2020 season and really kind of stop thinking so much play with just his instincts. Um, and that's because Petten moved him kind of close to the line of scrimmage and let him just fly around and make plays. And so you hope that they'll continue to do what they did. And of course, Adrian Amos is just so solid, like probably one of the best safeties in the league that nobody talks about. So just uh, keep building on this group. There, there's nothing nothing about the safety position that, that makes me worried. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So Shifting then maybe to some of these hybrid guys, more looking at the inside linebackers. I think this is a position that people were really up in the air and going into the draft. You know, I know that, you know, a lot of the national media thought that the Packers would take an inside linebacker early. We know that's not really how the Packers have operated traditionally. So rolling into the season, likely with Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin, again, taking the bulk of those snaps. We know they lost Christian Kirksey in free agency, but then they still have quite a few players on the roster that are holdovers from previous seasons, Oren Burks, Ty Summers, they drafted Isaiah McDuffie, a couple other names, Dejon Harris, Ray Wilborn. You know, there's a lot of guys who have the size to potentially kick outside. And we saw them do that even with Oren Burks a little bit in training camp, but there's a lot of competition for what likely will be maybe four roster spots at inside linebacker. Yeah. I mean, this is a really kind of interesting group of guys like pretty unproven I'd say like even though Christian Kirksey um, didn't end up sort of panning out you kind of knew going into the 2020 season like Christian Kirksey's inside linebacker one um, and there's not really a player I guess from what it sounds like from OTAs that is Chris Barnes now yeah I mean I guess that he earned that spot after the way he played last season um, and I think they're still really excited about Kamal Martin. I, I don't know how much more the Packers need to see from Oren Burks or Ty Summers. They've had them for a couple of years, and they obviously aren't competing for that number one spot, although I guess Ty Summers was kind of in there with the ones a little bit in OTAs, but how much can you really glean from OTAs? So um, it's an interesting position. It's never been something that the Packers put too much stock in, but there are a couple of exciting young guys that I think can step in and did step in last season. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say that Isaiah McDuffie will just come in and claim a roster spot. But with guys like Oren Burks and Ty Summers, it's also difficult to kind of see them sticking around if their role is going to be on special teams, you know, once again. You know, those are pretty significant roster spots to dedicate to guys that aren't really playing the inside linebacker position or only playing special teams. So I think Chris Barnes, Kamal Martin, those are your locks. And then it wouldn't necessarily shock me if Oren Burks and Ty Summers, or at least one of the two, didn't make the final 53 or, you know, was in a trade package or something. And it also wouldn't surprise me if, the Packers brought in somebody again towards the end of camp. You know, we talked about this 
they had Christian Kirksey obviously signed in free agency, but the last couple seasons you had guys like BJ Goodson, Antonio Morrison. So the Packers aren't afraid to improve positions when there's kind of a lack of depth in training camp. And, you know, Brian Gutekunst even said after the draft, they were looking for inside linebacker a little earlier. They didn't necessarily have that, the board fall that way to them. So it's possible. I mean, KJ Wright is still out there. How fun would that be to see him in the middle of the, the defense? If the Packers could find any money to bring <laughs> in, yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, they restructured Dean Lowry today. Maybe that's why. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they're still over the cap. So, and I think I also am pretty sure they still haven't signed Stokes or Amari Rogers. So they're probably moving around money to do that. Um, but I digress. Uh, let's move on to your favorite position because there hasn't been a whole lot of changes with this guy. And I'm curious to hear what you think about the outside linebacker group, because it's the Packers brought back Preston that like kind of restructured deal to hopefully get some more production and incentive incentives out of him. Um, They obviously still have Z and Rashawn Gary and Randy Ramsey, Jonathan Garvin, Tipa, and they brought in Carlo Kemp. Um, So I think they're, it feels like they're kind of banking on like this group, just running it back, um, which is fair. You know, maybe you get a little bit more out of pressing. You get another like year of development for Rashawn Gary, who by all accounts, you know, with an increased snap count looked even more, you know, dynamic and dominant last year. So even more snaps from him, you expect production to go up. Um, But is there anybody in here that you're hoping to see more of besides the starting, you know, three, if you will, or how do you feel about the Packers just saying, we like this group, we're keeping it? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that edge rush really wasn't the problem last season when you looked at the defense. I know that, you know, Preston had kind of a down year. I think that most people would agree that Rashawn Gary should have taken some of those snaps a little bit earlier because he was just an absolute menace towards the end of the season and going into the playoffs. But I think that starting three is really solid. And we also saw in some of those initial photos coming out of training camp that Preston Smith looks a lot leaner and Peter Bukowski had made the observation that Joe Barry likes to use smaller edge rushers. He's had some of that with the Rams when he's been there. You know, Mike Patton was always kind of like a big, rough and tough, massive edge rushers kind of guy. And Joe Barry seems to kind of go in the opposite direction. So not sure if that had anything to do with that or if Preston just wanted to drop a little bit of weight. But I mean, I think everybody feels really good about the starting three It's still a little bit of a concern if there were to be an injury there because there's a lot of unproven depth. But I really like Tipa. I'm glad that he's going to get another full training camp. I think the Packers have a really interesting option in Jonathan Garvin. He's probably the most rangy guy that they have on their roster. I mean, they call him the spider for a reason. He's got long arms, a lot of reach. And then Randy Ramsey, of course, the Packers really liked enough to keep him. And we saw the Packers keep five on their 53-man roster last season. So if they kept five uh, edge rushers again this year, that wouldn't surprise me. But then, of course, you're just trying to figure out who the odd man out is because there's a lot of unproven depth there, but a lot of really good depth at least. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if all these guys stayed in some level, either like practice squad or or not. Um, maybe not Carlo Kemp because he's new. But I just like this group a lot. I agree. They all bring different skill sets. And, you know, you never know what you have until – they're kind of forced to play. So there's a reason why we have never really seen anything from Randy Ramsey or Jonathan Garvin or Tipa is because luckily our top three edge rushers 
you know, play the majority of snaps and, and we're in pretty much every single game. So, um, there's like a, there, it's a, a pro and con, if you will, I'll, I'll say, I think it's more of a pro. Yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned Dean Lowry a little bit ago, last position on the defense is of course the defensive line. They picked up somebody, one person in the draft, TJ Slayton. They brought in Jack Heflin and undrafted free agency. Montrevious Adams left in free agency to the Patriots. So then of course you still have your mainstays, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster re-signed with the Packers. And then you have some practice squad futures contracts, holdovers in Willington Prevalon, Anthony Rush, and Delonte Scott. So what are your initial thoughts about this group? Oh, and Kingsley Kiki. I don't know if I mentioned him yet, but his name yeah. slipped my uh, my radar. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just like, it's pretty much Kenny Clark and then some pretty average depth. And like that's not a knock on anybody else, but like, we all know that. I think everyone's been kind of yelling, you know, get Kenny some help. It feels like TJ Slayton could be that. I know that, you know, Andy Herman, friend of the show, um, was at OTAs and said he looked really good and everything that he's watched, he's really excited about him. He's a huge dude. Like he's like a BJ Raji sized man. And so sometimes that's all you need, right? Is a big body to just take up space. Um, I think there should be some expectation of more development from Kingsley Kiki, but he has shown at least from very limited time in games that he's a little bit more of a rusher rather than just like a run stuffer. Um, I'm not surprised that the Packers didn't retain, you know, snacks or anybody that they brought in later in the season. Uh, but it's again, just another year where you're like, if Kenny Clark misses any significant amount of time, who is going to be out there? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the things we've talked about with having such a really unique or versatile edge rush is when Kenny Clark was out last season, we saw Zadarius Smith kind of slide in as like a roaming knows who could play standing over the center. Rashawn Gary did a little bit of that. So you have options, but of course, you know, the defense is better when Kenny Clark is on the field. I think that Kingsley Kiki will make another jump, uh, but I do really like the idea of kind of a three, four front. If you're talking about just a traditional three, four with Kenny Clark, Kingsley Kiki and TJ Slayton in the middle. I think that's really cool. I know that Dean Lowry was kind of one of those players that we thought might end up being like a post June 1st cut. So the fact that the Packers restructured him obviously means that they wanted to keep him around. And I think that makes sense considering there isn't a ton of depth there. Um, And one of, I mean, it's hard to think about players kind of latching on in a position group like this with the, the Packers don't traditionally hold a ton of defensive linemen on the roster, but if I think Tyler Lancaster's spot really is up in the air, I'm not sure that he latches onto the roster after kind of the up and down performances he's had, but Jack Heflin out of Iowa is a lot of fun. And he's the one that had the scouting report that was like a garbage can full of dirt. Like he's just like that kind of blue chip player played in Iowa. Where's number 90. So obviously I already love him, (laughs) but I think he's a player to keep an eye on. He had a really good couple seasons with Iowa and he's just a big, like Midwestern kind of dude who could end up kind of filling that Tyler Lancaster role. If the Packers move on from him. Packers love their men from Iowa. They really do. It is a, and like you can make the, all the jokes you want, but like when scouts trust a program in that way and you see the players that they bring in, no matter if they're drafted or not, like there, there's something to that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, say what you want about Josh Jackson, but 
Mike Daniels sure worked out as an Iowa prospect on the defensive line. So, right. And of course, Brian Belaga. Um, Iowa. So, defense, I guess, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, like the starters didn't really change. Um, the Packers didn't bring in anybody new. Like, is this really a true run it back? And I know that. There are definitely fans and media members, et cetera, who feel like this defense hasn't lived up to the potential that it has on paper. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, although by the end of the season, save for the NFC Championship game, um, they were looking pretty good. But, the you know, we're breaking down all these players and they have premium players in every single position, basically, except for inside linebacker. Um, because of course, and it's hard not to feel like going into this 2021 season, potentially with some juice from a new defensive coordinator, that this group can be really great again. Yeah, to me, I think that's kind of the the most interesting part of the defense. Like you said, they they really only made additions. Christian Kirksey became the will towards the end of the season, so it's not like he was their every down inside linebacker. Um, even though, you know, some of that was due to injury, but they added Eric Stokes, who is a really young, intriguing talent. They have Shamar John Charles, Isaiah McDuffie, like they picked up a couple pieces, TJ Slate, and I think will make a big difference along the defensive line, even though he's not going to play a ton of snaps as kind of that, that run stuffer. So it's, it's really just Joe Barry. That's the question mark. You know, we've seen what Mike Patton could do with this defense. And if Joe Barry has like one iota more of success with these guys and what he can make with this roster. I think that the Packers are setting themselves up really nice because you have to plan for the fact that the Packers won't be the number one offense again. You know, like you, you have to have a defense now that can kind of pick up some of that because we have to assume, even though that might not be the case, that there'll be like a little bit of drop off from the offense. Of course, there is some level of regression expected um, because anytime you're number one, like, you have to expect that you won't stay number one, although that would be great. Yeah. I think that it's more in my mind about like putting the pieces together. So the pieces are there and there were definitely some games where you saw it all working. Like the Packers won a ton of games, right? You don't win games if your defense is, is bad, but they're also, it was not a, you know, four quarter finish it off holistic win every single week those happened very infrequently and so I think that's the piece and I feel like we've talked about this so much that's been missing is like finish it out don't give up you know those late in the fourth quarter touchdowns for no reason don't give up a touchdown at the end of the first quarter or sorry at the end of the first half you know going into halftime just certain things that the I think the Packers have just some pieces to kind of fit into a puzzle because again, like all the players should realistically make for a really dominant defense. Well, and I think, you know, if you're going with the concept of all gas, no break, that's what you want to see from your defense as well. And I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of what happens and, you know, say what you want about the NFC championship game. Obviously the Packers could have played better on both sides of the ball. They know that. Um, But I think when you look at the way the 2021 or 2019 season ended, we felt, 
like there was just this sense that the Packers kind of were lost, right? Like they, they started losing and then they didn't know how to get back into things, whether on offense or defense. And then, yes, they lost in the NFC Championship game in 2020, but they fought their way back on offense. The defense had three picks. Like, they started doing the things that you wanted them to do. And, you know, of course that there were opportunities that they missed, which got them in a hole in a fir- in the first place. But that's kind of what I'm looking at with Joe Barry is just how does the defense fight back? Because I felt like with Mike Pettin in the Packers offense – they were really comfortable playing like prevent D you know, it was always the Packers have a lead. So we just have to not blow the lead on defense and we can kind of coast. I want to see what Joe Barry does, you know, with just a clean slate and the same pieces. No, it's such a good point is that it's a very, it's a luxury to always be playing with a lead and the Packers need to learn and know that that's not going to be the case. And they have to be able to, come from behind and win games from behind because we saw, and I, I mean, they, they fought back towards the end of the season, but you saw a little bit of as soon as they get down, they just kind of get wrecked. Um, and the defense is a huge part of, you know, you got to stop the bleeding. You got to get your ball back to the offense so that your quarterback and your number one offense can score some points to win the game again. And it just felt like it was a lot of bending and eventually breaking. Yeah, no, 100%. This was fun. I mean, I thought this was a very nice, quick breakdown of the defense. I love having football back on the timeline on Twitter, even yeah. if it's just pictures from, you know, the voluntary workouts and the mini camp. It's nice to see some of the guys back in their jerseys or some players in their jerseys for, you know, really the first time outside of rookie mini camp. So, yeah, and they got the majority of the team back. I think it was like 79 out of the 90 guys were there, um, which is really nice to see. And again, I, I think if you want to keep it on the defense really quick, you know, you saw some of the leaders on the defense there in Kevin King, you know, say what you will, but he is a vet at this point. And Kenny and Z and Preston, they were all there at OTAs, which I think is a really nice sign for morale and also so that you want as much time as possible with your new defensive coordinator with as many pieces there um, to get on the same page. So glad that they, they decided to go. Yeah. I mean, I know some of those guys had workout bonuses, so it made more sense like monetarily for them to be there, but you do like seeing the buy-in from those guys, you know, getting their first real opportunity to kind of work with Joe Barry. So excited to see uh, what happens in the next couple weeks as uh practices and camps become a little bit more mandatory yep it will be interesting (laughs) but the defensive side of the ball is not what we're talking about when it comes to what's going to be interesting about showing up for uh for training camp so perry we've got a lot of stuff to do before you fly into wisconsin tomorrow so wrapping this show up where can the people find you on social media if they don't follow you already (laughs) just follow me at perry underscore goldstein on twitter Please follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter and Maggie, hit them. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I write for TV, and Perry and I also both podcast with the Pack-A-Day podcast crew. Um, so shout out to Andy Herman. We'll have to get him back on the show soon because he's always great to talk to. So yeah, pick up your Packs with She Said merch. We got dad caps. I have one. Super fun. Thank you as always for listening to the show. Go pack up. Go pack go. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down.